Imaginate Community. Hey, what's up, everyone? Happy New Year, and welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to encourage diversity in thought without creating division in community, and where we we want you to remember how to think instead of tell you what to think. I am one of your hosts, Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City, where we record this and every episode of the podcast. And here in the year of our Lord, 2020, <laughs> we got no hoverboards, we got no flying cities, but I got my co-host, Mr. John Wagler. John, what's going on? Hey, man. You, you know, you mentioned the flying or hoverboards, whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, Lacey and I were on a walk um, yesterday and uh, or two days ago, and I said, why haven't they invented like public transportation that like essentially is like a bus that can fly? Dude, I don't know. Why don't it's 2020, my I know. dude. Like, You're it's a like, child of the 80s as I am. Do you remember what we were promised? <laughs> I know. <laughs> really disappointing. <laughs> I get, there's no teleporting. I don't my my no. meals, my nutritious meals don't come in like a pill form. I it's yeah. trash. Like if, I just I guess Amazon has to invent it. You know, like they just so. they just recently did a um, a heart transplant, like oh. the, and they did it with a drone, oh. like the delivery from one hospital to the other. Whoa. So I'm like, why can't there be like a flying bus yet? Yeah, no flying like system, no flying buses, but we do have a college textbook delivery service that can now deliver to you a vacuum <laughs> on the same day that you order it. Thank the Lord for that. So we're back here in 2020. How was your new year? Wags, I haven't talked to you since Christmas. It was good. We did a murder mystery party. Nice. That was fun. And then um, a bunch of kids, all of our kids of the families were hanging out. And so we then went back to the house. It was like a progressive dinner. Then went back to the house and celebrated the new year with them. So it was pretty chill. Very cool. Yeah, we celebrated down in Florida with my family. It was cool. All of the kids were, all of the adult kids with all of their kids were back together for the first time in a while. I was in Florida, which I always have mixed feelings about, but it's good to be close to my family, um, even if that is a very strange place to live. Um, Florida Matt is a pretty funny Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the texts and the Instagramming. Florida Matt and Ohio Matt are two very different Matts than what you guys get on the podcast. Um, Cool. Well, we're back, um, and today we are going to talk about something that happens what what happened what feels like now a lifetime (laughs) so long ago yeah because between our last podcast and this episode literally the i feel like the world is totally different (laughs) um we didn't get flying cars but we did get uh escalated aggressions with iran yeah um and we've gotten impeachment since last time we talked uh we've gotten all i mean just all sorts of stuff has happened so we want you all to know like we know that stuff's going on Um, We are going to talk about something that happened on December 19th, um, and we just want to encourage you all to remember that we are not a news source. (laughs) So if we talk about what's going on with Iran two weeks from now, well, wherever it is then, that's when we'll talk about it. We're not – it's not late breaking news. We are not your news source. Please, God, please don't let us be. And not to mention, like, sometimes we just want to take some time to process things. Yeah. Also, that's another – Like, not a bad idea, right? You know, I hate doing it, but I get it. Um, so we're going to talk about um, Christianity Today, arguably the most popular evangelical U.S. Um, news publication, news and opinions publication, right. I guess. Um, on December 19th of 2019, um, uh, published a, an op-ed or an editorial from Mark Galley, who was, was at the time the head editor of the paper, Um, And the editorial was uh, titled, Trump Should Be Removed from Office. 
Um, since then, Mr. Galley has retired. He had planned to retire, so this was kind of his like parting shot. Oh yeah. boy, what a what a way to go out last night in town, and and boy did he go for it. Um, and yeah, I think it kind of in a lot of ways turned certainly the Christian world upside down. But um, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw something from a Christian news source get republished and spoken about in the secular world on a on a very large level, like Huge. even like. He recently, Mark Galley was in New York Times, you know, and I heard him on NPR. He yeah, was like on I mean, NPR it just, one so it was it was a really big deal. It's funny. I think it was a really big deal in the um, non-super conservative Christian world, mm. <laughs> to yeah. some degree, to some degree, like outside of the because Christianity Today is an interesting like publication because not every Christian like goes to it mm-hmm. because they are it's a little bit longer articles. They're a little more. Uh, sometimes some more academic kind of um, articles as well. So, and they're pretty. They stay out of politics. They um, they're pretty middle of the road. If you were to go to the typical, and I I do subscribe to it and read it, you know, all the time. Uh, if you were to kind of look at their array of articles, they just get a lot of opinions from different people. And so you'll have some super conservative people there, and even some more kind of on a liberal Christian side. And so. They like to be pretty well-rounded in what they present. Yeah, I feel like they're definitely... I subscribe to them on my like aggregator on my phone. And what I realized when I read this was that I had kind of started to just gloss over their stuff. Not because it was good, but because I... Um, tend to subscribe to those kind of things to get like two sides. Sure. Um, so like Gospel Coalition and then Relevant Magazine or whatever. And I had started to sort of gloss over a lot of Christianity Today stuff, mostly because it wasn't super political. Right. So I wasn't getting, you know, the like side that yeah. that I was trying to figure out. Um, but this was quite a bombshell. Um, it is also notable that it is a, a magazine that was started by Billy Graham. Yeah. Um, with the sort of intent, uh, I don't have the direct quote in front of me, but the mission, um, as stated by Galley, uh, was always to sort of help Christians process current events through the lens of people who believe what they believe. Correct. Um, so it's definitely a news source. Um, and so, yeah, there was just kind of a, a big backlash. Uh, President Trump responded and and referred to the the publication as as ultra left wing, and and a lot of other folks did. Franklin Graham said that his grandfather would have rolled over, in, or his father, I'm sorry, would have rolled over in his grave. And then some other Graham family members came out and said, "No, just the opposite. Yeah, this is <laughs> yeah. what he would have wanted. And yeah, so on and so forth. So there's a legacy tied up in all of this. Yeah, um, and I would say this too. It's definitely not a left magazine. So, no. I mean, it's not even like, honestly, it's not even close. I mean, literally in the article that we're talking about, the initial article, one of the things it says when it starts to talk about damaging witness is it says, how are people going to listen to us when we talk about being anti-abortion if they don't believe us? Or, you know, if we're, it's something like it's damaging our witness yeah. about life, about pro-life. Yeah, yeah. Like it even had conservative values in this call out to Trump. Correct. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing really in the magazine that would ever be considered like super liberal or anything. So when they came out and when President Trump said that about it being a leftist magazine and then some other kind of like Franklin Graham, as you said, and then Eric Metaxas, he came out and said that, too. And and uh, all of those guys were asked to show and prove why it's a leftist magazine. And none of them could. They, They had zero examples which tells you something and plus when you look at what they believe and what they've posted and what their core tenets are in terms of as an organization it all goes into orthodox 
traditional Christian like beliefs on the Bible, on uh, Jesus, like all the main things, like they are in line with all of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you are a listener of this podcast and you kind of know Wags and I's dynamic or whatever, like I would consider them to be conservative. <laughs> like <a> conservative, <laughs> they're theologically conservative and they're for the most part socially conservative, you know, on the conservative well, yeah, side, I would, ultra conservative. But they would like, say, yeah, yeah, I would, I would put them in the moderate to conservative. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, to call them leftist or liberal or whatever is just like not true. It's yeah. It's a, bla- a yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's just, honestly, it's just foolish. Yeah. It really, it, it, it revealed a lot about like when people reacted in that way, I'm like, ah, oh, like that's just disappointing. Like you're better than that. Like that. Cause it takes all of two seconds to see that it's just not true. Yeah. Um, sorry. I want to quote, because uh, I really butchered that thing that they were saying in the article about abortion. It just says uh, from the article, can we say with a straight face that abortion is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leader doesn't really matter in the end? Um, so that's the direct quote. Yeah. Uh, so they even in, the, I mean, they go out of their way to, to sort of like almost preemptively respond to what they knew would happen, what he, Galley, knew would happen, which is that people would call them leftist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you do see, uh, I, I was kind of thinking about the two sides thing. Like, is this happening? I always think, is this happening in the other camp at all? And a little bit it is with NPR right now, which some people don't know, but um, there are ultra, ultra left people who are saying that NPR is being too centrist and like not speaking out enough or whatever. And I think that's interesting because it's just like when I listen to NPR, I don't, I mean, you know, you don't know a ton of super conservative people who are just like <laughs> super tuned into NPR, <laughs> but sure. it's like not enough. So people are trying to call them out. So yeah. um, I think we are definitely, as we well know, in this level of polarization in this country where if you don't hear um, what you want to hear, then you just slap whatever yeah, the opposite absolutely. is uh, on yeah. it. So, John, when you read this, where where did it put you? What What was your initial thought? And then kind of what are your thoughts now that you've had some weeks to process? Yeah, you know, when I initially read it, I was actually very thankful um, because they have a big voice. And then the second article that came out after that, I was even more impressed with that article. Um, that was really good. And um, like, I, go ahead. If you, sorry, if you want no. to search that article for everybody, it's called The Flag in the Whirlwind. It was published on December 22nd. Yeah, even like there's a in the Flag in the Whirlwind article, it said this. It said the politics matter, but they do not bring the dead back to life. We are far more committed to the glory of God, the witness of the church, and the life of the world than we care about the fortunes of any party. Political parties come and go, but the witness of the church is the hope of the world, and the integrity of that witness is paramount. And I just really appreciated how they talked about everything. Um, could they have, in 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 particular, the second article and Mark's article that you know was the first one? He did get a little too much into politics. I thought, just like he was kind of tapping into some things and I'm like, well, you know, like some of that's like your perspective, which is, I mean, he has the right, it's an op-ed piece. <laughs> he has the right to do that. Um, but I just really appreciated in particular the second one where they came back around a little bit and talked about why it's so important uh, to really view this in a holistic way. You know, even um, one of the guys who used to write for them, I heard him just talking about how great those guys are and how honestly how conservative they are in the way that they think and one of the things that he said he said he said man I was talking to one of the guys the other day after everything came out and his response was you know someone had asked him well what do you want us to do we want 
we want like federal judges and we want to talk about abortion and we want to talk about religious freedoms and, and stuff like that. And he goes, and the guy's response was, if he gets impeached, Pence is the president. so so like his point was just like you know they're sacrificing so much of the witness of jesus by kind of trying to like really and and this isn't every christian obviously but like there's a large percentage that are really trying to tag on to um president trump and it's really hurting the witness of jesus and um or the witness of the church like jesus will overcome everything but like the witness of the church and and one of the things that um, one of the other uh, guys, his name is Sky, he used to write for them, that he, he also said that I just thought was really interesting because I just never thought about it. He made the comment that, um, and then I read it in the second article that talked about this too, but that, you know, there are some countries in the world where the Trump administration that is tied into Christianity is viewed as a positive. But there are also a lot of missionaries talking about how it's not viewed as positive and the Trump administration tied into Christianity is actually not only putting missionaries in danger in countries, but it's really making it next to impossible for them to actually do the work. So this goes even far beyond like us here in America. Like it, it is having a world reach and how people see Christianity. And, and so that is, I mean, obviously I just preached on this on Sunday, but like that is the problem, like that our identity is placed with a person right now well, I should say it's a place with a party, you know, and um, and that is beyond problematic. And we're starting to see, you know, the brunt of that. So ultimately, I love that it got out there. I loved, man, there were so many people that I follow on social media that are not Christian that were saying things like, I'm subscribing, you know, and like, I'm interested to hear what else they're saying. Or like, you know, and I was like, I mean, even those things had a more of a witness to people who didn't believe in Jesus or had distanced, them, distanced themselves from the church because of everything that they see. Um, there was like a strong like kind of movement of like support from folks like that. And I was like, man, how cool is that? That these people who had were like anti-church are now re-engaging. And I thought that was really cool. The one disappointing thing, um, you know, the Christian Post, which is, it's not even a rival because it's smaller, but like it's another Christian um, news outlet. And I don't know if it's the second largest or whatever where it ranks, but um, a lot of people do read it. And it was, they lost, I can't remember how many writers they lost uh, almost immediately after that because those writers walked into a meeting. And at that meeting, it was the plan of attack against Christianity today. Hmm. And so uh, a bunch of leader, a bunch of writers were like, we're not doing that. And that's a completely um, like anti-Jesus behavior. And um, that's a magazine that Franklin Graham is big with and and everything too. And so um, it just kind of shows like how disjointed things are too. So it's like super disappointing. Um, But at the same time, I'm like happy this stuff came like out of the, like kind of out of the ground and like, and had some different voices in it too. Yeah, I definitely, I was joking earlier, but honestly, I kind of felt this way. Uh, when it happened, it felt like the biggest news um, in a while. Like, I got a text from you. I got it. I mean, the, the site crashed. I, I got it. I like simultaneously got a text from you, got a message from a non-Christian friend of mine. I was at a party, at a Christmas party, and I thought, I, I didn't know what, I mean, I thought a nuke had been dropped or something like my phones are blowing up from people sending me this thing. And just, I think what's been really heartening is, yeah, seeing the amount of 
non-Christian um, propagating of this, I guess, or like um, reposting of this thing because not that it's like, oh man, I just so want the secular world to like us or whatever. Although there is an argument to be made that like part of being a good witness is having people <laughs> like you, <laughs> even if they don't agree with you. Sure. Um, uh, but just that I was fully expecting when you first sent it to me for it to be buried in the war, right? Like for the war to bury it, the, the culture war. Um, so to see so many like Rolling Stones and New York Posts and like all the, and all of my friends who are not Christians and who will not come to church when I invite them reposting it made me think like, oh, like maybe people are starting to get what I've literally been saying for, since I was 17 years old, which is like, hey, it's not what you think all the time. <laughs> like I'm here. I'm not, you know. Um, so I, I'm a four in the Enneagram, so it's going to be about my feelings. <laughs> so it made me feel seen. It made me feel <laughs> less alone in the world. Um, and in that follow-up article to hear that it wasn't just like me and Shane Claiborne, you know, that it yeah. was like lots of people wrote to them thousands immediately. And thousands and yeah, yeah. Uh, saying, thank you so much. Thank you for your bravery. Hang in there. Thanks for doing this. Um, that, I don't know, to me just made it feel like things had changed. It felt like things were different. Now you were down in an ultra conservative place. Like talk about like if there was any reaction to it or awareness of it. Yeah. So they, I don't, I didn't hear anyone talking about it down. Actually, the only person I heard who talked about it um, was my friend Mikey, who I grew up with, who is ultra. I mean, he literally has like a whole podcast that I've gone on before that is pretty much dedicated to like the punk rock ethos of like toppling the church. Like <laughs> he hates the church. Uh, and he saw it and was like heartened by it and wanted to talk to me about it. Yeah. But other than that, you know, I didn't see any like, um, so the, the town that I'm from in Florida is a very small community and traditionally, and, and certainly now a very conservative community, kind of like an orange County, like a sort of a, a GOP like stronghold, I think. Um, and it, you know, I didn't see any Trump signs coming up. I didn't see any sticker. As a matter of fact, I got stuck behind a decommissioned Humvee with a giant Trump 2020 flag <laughs> flying off <laughs> the back of it. Things did not change in, in the tiny town where I'm from, from this. Um, and so that, you know, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, this isn't maybe as big a deal as I thought, but I don't know. There's something about this that, uh, still feels like we're going to look back on it and remember it as, a tide turner or, or maybe a symptom of the tide turning rather or bellwether. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think we'll look back at this moment. I, I don't, it means something. Hmm. Do, you know what I mean? Like it, it's not just, Oh, that's just that impacted a few hundred people. And it's not that big. Of the, I, I do think it allowed some other, because sometimes, you know, people won't speak up and feet cause they're just fearful of what, but, you know, there were a lot of people that I had not seen ever post anything or whatever that because of that, like, finally I can breathe. Mm. And finally I can, you know, say something and be like, even just being like, I like this. Mm. And I like how it was presented. And you start seeing that um, there are people out there that really do want to have a voice and think a little bit differently, but there's no space for them. Mm. So I think I think it was important. And I, you know, I, I can't link these two things with any facts or data, but I did notice that not too long after it was published, 
like the National Review, which is a I think considers themselves centrist, but has traditionally been a very conservative publication, sure. very Republican. Um, my grandfather subscribed to it. I think my father subscribes to it. Um, the National Review also posted an op-ed that called for the removal, not not like supporting the impeachment, but asking for the removal of the president. And, you know, before you get into like, oh, well, you just want your side to win. Like, it's not really about that. It's more about we are super divided and there's got to be a point at which we can start agreeing on things. And so to see um, the uh, publications like Christianity Today and the National Review just start talking about things, I don't want to say reasonable, I mean reasonably, or just start going against the grain and saying like, hey, let's stop and like really look at this. I think it's super important because if, if your side or whatever can't police itself, it'll never be policed by the other side. Like the other side does not police you. You police yourself. If right. the other side is trying to tell you what to do, it's a war. It's a culture. Like It's the culture war that we're currently in. Does yeah. that make sense? Like you it kind does. Of, communities have to police themselves. And yeah. that goes for political parties as well. But here's the thing that I think is also like frustrating <laughs> in the, with stuff like this is everyone wants to make it about politics. And Christianity Today was trying to make it about Jesus. Mm. And that's the part that often frustrates me you know when people are like well, well what about this and what about that and what about you know whatever their whatabouts are and i never hear people saying how it impacts the witness for the church in jesus i, I mean almost never I, I really don't everyone just makes it about abortion or about a, a political side and, and i'm like there's a space for that discussion. And I understand that. And I don't begrudge anybody for that, for whatever their views are politically. It's just, I don't understand why Christians with all of this stuff, why we aren't taking the the faithful witness of Jesus and the church a little more seriously. It just almost immediately buys in. Like It's like you critique something uh, about this administration or about what's going on. And everyone's always like, well, well, you just want the liberals to come in then, Wags? Or you just want... I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not even talking about politics. I'm literally just talking about our witness to people who don't know Jesus. That is way more important than how you voted. Voting matters. Like, don't... I'm not like, hey, let's just go off on a commune somewhere. But like, all that... The voting and the politics matter. But I'm just saying, like, I just don't understand why I don't hear more Christians talking about the Jesus part. And that the only rebuttal... When you start talking about it, and I've seen this in, in truly like too many conversations that I've been in where we've been discussing things and I've brought certain things up about how it represents Christianity. And when the response back is like, oh, so Hillary would have been better? I'm like, definitely not what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And like, but that is the mindset of, of everything. And so especially at this stage, like in 2016, I understand why, why some people m- – voted the way they did either way um, or even the third way. And, um, and so, but now at 2020, I'm, I'm like, y'all, like we've got to have like a little bigger picture of the faithfulness and the witness of the church and all of this. And, um, and that's where I think things get off track. Do you have any thoughts on, um, and I'm springing this question on you so we can cut it if you want, but do you have any thoughts on why this wasn't the case with either Bush either Bushes or you and I are too young to really remember the Reagan era, I think. But like, so I, when president Bush invaded or when we invaded Iraq, 
after 9-11. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I ever attended a political protest um, to say no war with Iraq. And um, so that was really, I think, when I came into my maturity of like being politically involved. And so I was very involved in that conversation. And I was involved on pretty radical like left sides. I mean, punk rock types don't tend to be centrist. Um, I don't ever remember hearing anything about the witness of Christianity. I remember barbs being thrown, like white Christians, just like now. But I don't ever remember this deep um, conversation about the damaging of the Christian witness or how um, President Bush's actions and behaviors affected the church. Like, what is different? Why Why is this different? I think it's two things. And obviously, this is processing this right now. There might be other bigger things. Off the top of my head, I would say this. One, with President Bush, um, for all intents and purposes, Christians could still kind of do what they wanted. Mm. And they still had a a larger voice in how things were shaped kind of culturally. And so there wasn't like this big fear or worry to the extent that it is right now. And so the idea of... The back and I think a lot of the same conversations were happening between conservative and liberal. It just wasn't at the forefront, and not everyone's on social media, and not and you really didn't hear people's opinions, you know. And um, it's kind of like the book, The Death of Expertise, that um, I uh, I'm about done with. But they, um, what it gets into is like back then, not everyone was an, like people actually looked to experts. <laughs> for opinions you know and so but now we just hear everyone so now it's gotten more volatile so i think that that's there i think the second thing with like now uh is the marriage between president trump and christian evangelicals is so strong and so vocal and so um put out there in a way that it it just wasn't that way ever before to the level that it was and i would also say this um Actually, there's two more. the The current people that are his spiritual advisors, um, honestly, are not like that well accepted at Christianity at large. Like, there's some big time prosperity um, preachers within that. I know some. I'm not going to get into what that is, but like, there's some people theologically. Whereas, like before, it was like Billy Graham was the guy, and like people just respected that, you know. And now it's like. I mean, his spiritual advisors that he has right now, like I disagree with them in a massive way. And um, and so um, so I think that's a part of it. And then I would say that there's been a huge flip just kind of, we've talked about this before, that part of why I think Christians and in particular strong conservative Christians galvanized so much in 2016 was because they felt like culturally they had no voice anymore. And it was just being squashed at every turn and being able to speak into big life issues. And so people got angry, like, you know, we're going to we're going to vote for the person that's going to give us a voice. And we don't give a rip like who that person is. And and I think that that's part of it. Yeah. And that's another that leads into another thing that um, as I think about this really confuses me and kind of creeps me out. Like maybe there's like a prophetic element to what's going on or like a sort of revelatory element to what's going on, which is this. I don't, and this is a legitimate open question, write in if you have an answer. Stay curious uh, at hillcityrva.com. If it was about winning, so if it was about the evangelical right, uh, who I realize represents a wide berth of people from different like colors and backgrounds and everything. 
if it was just about winning, wouldn't the they, whoever they are, the evangelical right, wouldn't they just like hop on this to get him impeached so that Mike Pence would become president? Because he's super in the club. I mean, sure. like he yeah, yeah. he is a super, you know, yeah. like whatever. So I just don't understand what the is it about admitting we were wrong? Is it about a fear? What it, I just don't I can't grasp what the fear is. Like, yeah, I why wouldn't everyone jump? Like, if it's really about teams and winning, which we hope it's not, but it kind of is. Sure. Wouldn't yeah. everybody like pile on, get him out, so that they could have Mike Pence as president? Yeah, I, I mean, at this stage, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's because they feel like Pence couldn't win a re-election, mm. you know, and so they just want to make sure that that's the case. Um, I don't know, you know, like, and and again, like, I'm in the middle of all this stuff. Like, I don't like love the other side either. So like there's, I don't know, I, I kind of take a step back and I'm like, man, like I don't, I don't understand why they're still digging their heels in further at this stage of the game. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I understood in 2016, I, I would also say to your previous question about like why it's so different now. I also think in 2016 was the first time we had two people running that I can remember that like people genuinely hated. Right. You know, it's like when Bush ran, like, listen, if you don't agree with Bush, like, he at least seems like a super good dude, you know, and like, people like respect him. Even now we see like him and Michelle Obama joking around, like, even if you didn't like Barack Obama, he seems like a really good dude, you know, and so, but, you know, when you got Hillary and Donald running, you had two people that, I mean, a lot of people hated one or the other, and that also created, you know, such a volatile atmosphere that I think that even like ratchet things up even further. Yeah, and that's such a weird thing about politics, right? That like <laughs> you are simultaneously affecting policy and how we live by whether or not you yeah. have a beer with somebody. That is crazy. That's what I remember. Like I was talking to somebody the other day during the Gore Bush um, campaign or contest was when I was old enough. First time I was old enough to vote. And I can remember a legitimate concern about Gore was that he was boring. I'm like, (laughs) I mean, and I don't know what kind of president he would have been, but I was like, is that a concern? (laughs) He's like not like, or that he's boring? Not that he's mean, but just like not fun. Like, is that a thing we're concerned about? But, but it is because politics, especially in this country, um, are the intersection of real life policy and celebrity and and like salesmanship, (laughs) you know, like likability. Well, it is. It's like. How far down would you have to go in the ranking of all the officials right now, Democrat or Republic, before you would be like, you know, what? I'd hire them. Right. <laughs> yeah. If I were running a company, I'd probably hire them. And I think that has some to do with just politics in general and media. And yeah, like, sure. Like, you know who probably wouldn't have been that chill to hang out with? Martin Luther. But like, we're all pretty <laughs> stoked on what he did, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. So we're going to go ahead and break this one up into a two-parter and finish our conversation Next week, I just wanted to quickly chime in and let you all know that little production note so that it didn't seem like uh, we just faded out from nowhere. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to stay curious and tune in next week for the second part of this conversation. 